So today we're going to be talking about one of our favorite healing modalities, chiropractic. Um, And some have likened astrologers to chiropractors um, because we both operate under this paradigm of, um, you know, there's one unified whole body, whether that be like the celestial body or the universe or the physical body, things like that. And when one thing is out of alignment, it can affect everything else. Um, so I'm really excited for today's conversation to kind of dive in to some of that. Yeah, didn't that's I loved when you told me that. I was like, wow, that makes so much sense to me. And probably why we were drawn to Keely and I were drawn to um kind of this more holistic chiropractic care in the first place, because we're our spiritual view is like holistic and everything working together and working to better the whole. Um, So that's exactly what we're going to dive into today. Welcome to The Fifth Element, a podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. Today on our podcast, we have Dr. Sharon Dongera, um, and we have mentioned her previously um, on a podcast episode, an early podcast episode. We'll link that one below. Um, we definitely threw out the name Dr. D, maybe we even mentioned by name Thrive Chiropractic, but mm-hmm. um, this is she. She's here with us today to... Um, I, I like the idea of kind of like debunking what people think chiropractic is versus, um, you know, what, and I, and I feel like Keely, even before you may have seen Dr. D, I feel like you were nervous about seeing a chiropractor. Is that right? Like, I know a lot I of mean, my people were. I, I was not personally nervous, but I remember like growing up, my mom being like, never see a chiropractor. If you do anything, right. just don't see a chiropractor. It's so dangerous. Right. And now, now here we are. We're both life changed. So Dr. D, do you want to give us uh, your little intro background and you can talk about Thrive a little bit if you want to? So I've been at Thrive. This is my sixth year in private practice. Prior to that, I was an associate after I graduated for um, several years. And before that, I was actually in the nonprofit sector. So I had no idea that I wanted to grow up and be a chiropractor. I had no idea that I wanted to be a doctor at all. I just pretty much felt called to help people. Um, And how I found chiropractic was just through my own personal experience um, with chiropractic. And like you, I I had, uh, I remember, that's funny that you said that about your mom, because I remember being, two, two memories from when I was really little. One, I remember sitting on a bus um, outside of my elementary school with my cousin in the bus seat. And I remember popping her fingers, you know, it's so funny, <laughs> funny memory to have. Um, so was, I use that to solidify that I'm, I'm good with my purpose here. Um, and then I remember one time I was probably 13 and I was sitting in this old office. It was kind of like all dark wood paneling. And I'm just sitting out there alone in this waiting room and my mom comes out and we leave. And I said, well, what, what happened in there? She says, oh, I don't know. He's a quack. He wants me to come back like 60 times or something like that. <laughs> you know? 
So I remember my mom trying chiropractic and getting this offhand experience from her that no, yeah, that was, that was BS. That's- <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, I think I've been going to Thrive now for a year and a half and, or maybe even a little more. And I, I mean, I feel like it's a conglomerate of a lot of things that have happened, but I've gotten sick once, like once in a year and a half. Yeah. My nervous system and the way that I feel in my body has changed drastically over the year and a half. And I can tell, you know, other factors, but I mean, I know we've talked about this before too. Like, why wouldn't you want to continue that process of healing yourself? Like instead of a one and done type deal, like why wouldn't your body needs like constant update and care and so I, I, I like the intention of actually reminding myself that this is something that constantly needs to be a part of my life. And chiropractic is one, one way that we do that. But I know that's one of the things that people say, like, oh, you have to keep going back. And it's like, well, you, you have to keep drinking water. You have to keep sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but we also like to ask. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, um, kind of on that vein, we like to ask what experiences shaped your worldview overall to even get you to um the places that you were mentioning the nonprofit, the private um thrive like or really what makes you what what has impacted who you are as a person as a healer as a doctor well i think i certainly think you know we're we kind of come to this this planet with some stuff. I don't think that we're all fresh and brand new. That's just my personal belief. So I think that I definitely, who I am as a person is, is a helper. I was thinking that about that a lot. I recently, like what motivates me is certainly being able to be impactful for people. So I think that's just who I am. And then I think fortunately I was raised by, um, my mother was very charismatic, so I have been able to be an influential person, which is a blessing. Um, and then my father just kind of has that certain something about him that people just like him, no matter, you know, like he just is a likable guy, right? And so he's very shy and very humble. And I think the, the combination of those characteristics of my parents have helped put me in a position to, to be influential in an effective way for people. So I think some of it is just who you innately are and then how you're cultivated. I'm the youngest of six kids. So, you know, being growing up, it was very hustly and bustly. So that kind of fits in well with my practice style. Everything's pretty hustly and bustly here. It's uh, quick in and quick out, um, but fun, brief connections, which is nice. Um, I think fundamentally, Growing up on the very conservative Eastern Shore and being a gay person definitely cultivated something in me that I wouldn't have otherwise had. You know, when you are growing up in an area where people are pretty certain about what's what's right and wrong, we all do this about all, all kinds of things. So we're certain about what's right and wrong. And there's this little voice inside you that says, oh, you're the other um, that, that changes you and, and in a challenging way, um, it can be hard to, to overcome those things, but at the same time, 
it's um, it also is skill developing, right? So you begin to see people for who they are, not what they're saying. And that's, that has definitely helped me because sometimes people come and they say, well, you know, my, my back hurts. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Your back hurts. Tell me about your life, you know? Hmm. And they're wholly unsupported in their life. And, you know, you think, well, this is great. We can knock this low back pain out of the park. That's no big deal. But why do you think this keeps happening? You know, so I think you have to have this ability to be able to see. Sometimes we think what the problem is, isn't really what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of that um, helped me for sure. And then going to chiropractic school was, well, even before chiropractic school, I traveled a little bit with our military and provided emergency communications between our military members and families at home. So I got to see a lot of the world, but not the places that you would necessarily want to go, you know, like not the exciting places. Um, Like I went to Turkey, I was in an Air Force base there and it was, it was cool and neat, but it was a really tight little circle. I didn't really explore the country too much, but I was provided with the opportunity to meet a lot of different people from a lot of different places. And it just, that in and of itself just opens your worldview, right? That's kind of in the, the definition of the term, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then going to chiropractic school, of course, you have all of these people from different walks of life, different values, different belief systems in terms of religion and politics and things like that. And we all meet in this little melting pot where you're not just going to the same school, but you're actually in the same curriculum. And you're actually swimming in a stream with them that is against the grain for most of the world. And so you find yourself in this, with this sense of camaraderie with people that you don't necessarily otherwise have a whole lot in common with. Um, And that was pretty influential. I think certainly as we're thinking about the times now, you know, we're so divided in our country right now. And this is on my mind a lot lately about how, you know, we're all different, but all we really need to do is look at where we're so, our similarities are and where we want to go together. I think there's a lot more in common than we mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, I think maybe we should give a little context about what chiropractic is for our listeners who maybe have never done it before. All they know is it's bone cracking or <laughs> they've heard it's dangerous. So what exactly is chiropractic? So chiropractic is both a science, a philosophy, and an art, okay? So the, the art of chiropractic is the delivering of the adjustment, which is when you, through some method or another, analyze a person's body to determine where you might like to put an impulse of some sort um, to an area that is not being perceived fully um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. So there's, there's essentially an analysis and then an application of what we call a chiropractic adjustment. So that's kind of like the work of what we do, but that's the art of chiropractic. And there's many different techniques that people can apply. So people use a little tool called an activator and there's a whole technique about that. People use their hands and there's many, you know, that's generally called diversified adjusting, but there's many different techniques that you can use even just with your hands. So they all work. Um, and they, they just not all, not, not a single one works for everyone. Right. 
um, but you just kind of find the ones just like with any other art, you find the ones that feel right for you as the person doing them. The philosophy of chiropractic is, I guess, simply put that everything that we need to function well in our, in our, in our body and our life is inherently there. And if, if we're not able to express that in, in a particular way that we feel comfortable with, then there's a reason, okay? And this is, takes us to the science of chiropractic, which essentially says that our nervous system, which consists of our brain and our spinal cord and our spinal roots and the nerve roots and the nerves that come off of our spine, are all working together to help us live the best quality of life for the longest amount of time, okay? So the whole job of our brain as it lives in this dark cave called our skull is to look down at our body and see what's going on and look out in our environment and see what's going on and determine based on what's happening what it needs to do to help us be alive and, and be effective and be efficient. And so in chiropractic, what happens is, is when you have joints in the body that aren't moving properly, it robs us of this innate sense that we have called proprioception or joint position sense, which helps our brains see the physicality of our body and perceive what's going on and help us you know, navigate gravity and move in the world and do all of these things. So it's almost like this ability to move sends a little signal to our brain that just kind of highlights where we are. And so the information going into our brain influences the choices that our brain is going to make, right? So then our brain says, this is what's happening. And then it sends information through our spinal cord and through our nerves to our body to accomplish whatever it needs to accomplish. And philosophically, our brain wouldn't do something unless it thought it was the right thing to do. It's its whole job is to help us live as long as possible. So that's kind of the, the purpose of an adjustment is to analyze where the brain might be confused about getting it misinformation, clearing that up so that the brain can then send good positive information down and um, fundamentally it gets rid of dysfunction within our body so that we can have improved function. And when the more improved our function is, the more relaxed we feel, the more relaxed we feel, the better, more comfortable we are in our own body, the more comfortable we are in our relationships, and therefore the more we're able to accomplish in life. So if you have somebody who's as crazy as me about chiropractic, I think chiropractic equals world peace. You know, mm. people come mm -hmm. to me about their neck pain or their back pain or a headache, and I'm thinking my end game is world peace, right? I see that a lot of people with healed nervous systems, there's no way that that world peace is not going to happen. You know, heal your nervous system, heal the world. That should be our, our tagline. <laughs> there you go. I, I love, love that. Yeah. I think also, you know, maybe another metaphor is like when you, when there are like two people like arguing about something, but then like a third party is like listening and you're like, they're saying the same thing. They're just not hearing each other. And so I feel like that's like the chiropractor is the one who can, who's like trained to see where that miscommunication between, you know, the nerves and the brain or the joints and things are happening and can adjust them and bring things back into focus of like, no, we're all on the same mission here. We're trying to accomplish the same goal. Um, we just need to kind of get things back into order. Yeah. It's like this coherence, right? 
Yeah. Well, and so the explanation that you just gave sounds absolutely incredible. And um, I'm sure lots of people have never heard chiropractic described in that way. Um, and but in hearing that, I can't imagine not thinking like, oh, no, I don't want that. Or like, I don't need that, you know? <laughs> so what do you, I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of um, skepticism or backlash or whatever. What do you feel are some like myths around this practice that need to be like debunked or just aren't based in reality or fact? Yeah. Well, I think that obviously a big one is that chiropractic isn't safe. You know, chiropractic's actually extremely safe, um, but that's because we screen people. If you have a fractured spine, it's not safe to adjust you in this area of fracture, right? So there's, it's not a willy-nilly haphazard, you learn it in a closet and come out and you just start, you know, <laughs> doing it out of the back of a wagon. <laughs> actually quite a bit of training that goes into it and it's it's actually quite safe so and and you know fundamentally whether it's safe or not how the person feels when you approach that person and you're giving them the adjustment absolutely 100 percent affects the the result of the adjustment right so there's there's this idea that you have to go to the chiropractor and get cracked um, but that's not necessarily true. Lots of chiropractors have other techniques that they can employ to meet someone at a level where they're comfort, right? So when I take care of somebody, my first thing is, is well, what is, the, what is the safest way to take care of them, okay? So if I've determined that they, are, they have fragile bones or, you know, some sort of instability in their spine and a manual adjustment wouldn't be safe for them, I can't just say, well, I'm going to manually adjust you because you want to crack. Like, I can't do that, right? But if, if, if that feels safe for me, then that's on the table. But the person is just terrified of the idea of being adjusted manually. Well, I mean, if I'm trying to take stress out of the system and I'm trying to improve perception, why would I lay a person face down on the table, terrified and, and try to bring them to a relaxed state? That just doesn't make sense. It's going against the wind. So then you use a, you use a technique that's just much more gentle that they feel better with. So I guess the first myth is you have to be cracked and it's unsafe. So that's just not true. My malpractice insurance is like $2,500 a year. You can ask your dentist what their malpractice insurance is or your GP <laughs> or, you know, anybody. It's, 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 it's a big, uh, it's really the, the actuaries are telling you the answer of how safe it is. In that. Well, and I love seeing like babies in your practice and the fact that babies and pregnant women and kids can also benefit greatly from these adjustments and to me like when you see a baby getting adjusted you barely even know anything's going on it's just your hands and the eye contact and that yeah I love that as kind of an example of yeah you don't need your neck like at a yeah. you know some weird angle and hear everything in your body crack it right. really can just be that touch too I guess the next thing is uh you know, that you do get addicted to the crack, you know, but you kind of hit that nail on the head right away. You, you get, if I come, I'm going to get addicted to the crack and I got to keep coming. Well, no, you don't actually, you don't actually have to keep coming. And that's not my style at all. If someone doesn't want to come then that's okay, I'll love you right out the door and I'll be here when you come back. So I have no problem with that. Um, the, I think what happens though is, is that when you get a chiropractic adjustment, it's really hard to explain what that feels like. How do you put that into words, what that 
sense of well-being is, you know? It's like the proof is in the pudding, you know? So I think that once you have that experience, and not everybody experiences that, it really depends on where you are. If you're not in tune with your body, I could practically hit you with a hammer and you might not know, Mm -hmm. right? If you're super in tune with your body, then I could hit you, you know, with a light feather and you'd be like, oh, what was that? So it's not, not that everybody gets up and there's this universal experience. Um, but there's generally speaking, I would say the majority of time people get up and they're like, oh, yeah, like that's, that's better. Even when there's no words for what that means, you know? Um, and so I don't think you get addicted to that. I think you just enjoy that, you know, just like you enjoy your favorite type of food or you enjoy going for a walk in the woods you know you do something that's inherently good for you and you begin to say yeah you know that that's that's something I want to keep doing or you come and it's a little bit late and you have chronic problems you know your body's been under stress for decades and you have chronic problems and you get a chiropractic adjustment and you feel better you know and then you don't come and you feel bad again and you say well now I got to go back because XYZ. Or say a person has an area where they're feeling stress in their body, they have neck pain, but maybe they don't have a problem in their neck. Maybe it's actually their pelvis that's off and it's making everything off kilter and their brain is trying to keep their eyes level with horizon. And so, you know, maybe they have neck pain and I come in and I start tinkering with their body and I start saying, well, this isn't this isn't moving properly. Let me open this window up for the brain and let me do that. And then their neck pain goes away. But the next thing you know is now their back is bothering them because that was the original problem to begin with. And they say, oh, well, you know, now I got to go all the time because of my back, you know? So the thing is, is that when we are subjected to stressors in our body, whether it's a physical stress or a chemical stress or an emotional stress, whatever it is, and we have inflammation in our body, that's either going to move in and through our body or it's going to stay there and it's going to get stuck. Right. And so those types of stress never stop coming. It never stops coming. So it's not that chiropractic never gets you to the end. It's just that you're always in it. You're always in that area. You know, I do this core score in my practice that you guys are both familiar with. We do testing that looks at just, you know, some objective findings because people's opinions of how they feel and how healthy they are very greatly, right? But if we have these objective measurements, we can kind of look to them to help guide us. And um, we use this thing and we end up with, with this number called a core score. And, and I always tell people, this is never gonna be 100. When you look at this number, don't feel deflated because life is hard and you can you can always strive to take as great care of yourself as possible. And then you, you ride your bike one day and somebody clips you at the curb, right? So that you can't control all factors in your life. Um, you can only control the inputs that go in. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that wow. so much. Wow. Well, and so I think, so my chiropractic journey, my betrayal of my mother's wishes began with you at Thrive and I was forever changed. And then as I moved around, I saw different chiropractors and um, healers and people and not everyone emphasizes this nervous system connection as much as you do. Um, So I'm wondering kind of like what draws you to that? I know you've talked about it 
a little bit already, but um, in terms of like in relation to other chiropractic practices, because, you know, people might listen to this and be like, oh, I need to go see any chiropractor after hearing this. Um, but they're not all the same, right? So just, you know, as with all things, there's politics involved, you know, and in chiropractic, there's, there's politics. Chiropractic was originally founded by this guy. Um, his name was D.D. Palmer, and he was actually a magnetic healer. And he, hmm, this was what's a that? Time, what's that? What's, what's a magnetic? Mag- yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I didn't Interesting. Really Maybe healing. a future pod episode. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Magnetic healing. Okay. Um, so he, he was really, he just was, he, you know, the germ theory of disease just didn't resonate with him. He didn't understand why, you know, Keely, if you had the flu and, you know, Emily and I both hung out with you, why one of us would get it and one of us wouldn't, that there had to be some other factor involved in, in, in the disease progression. And so he, he just decided that he thought that the, the brain was the kind of ruling organ in the body. Um, right around the time that um, Stills was coming up with osteopathy, and he was also doing sort of long axis manipulations and things like that. But his idea was that there were liquids or humors within the body that he was moving. And so they were both doing similar things. It just happens that Dee Dee was right that the brain played a, a little bit more of an important role. And I would say that, you know, flow of, of blood through your body and lymph through your body is also really important for your health. So there's a, when you're looking at modalities, there's not one modality that's going to fix all things for all people, um, but they, a lot of them have a place, you know? Mm. So yeah. I've had... Um over the past couple of years, many conversations with people um, about chiropractic and definitely same thing as you said, Keely, like people finding a chiropractor and just being like, yeah, like, you know, we didn't really talk. There wasn't really this, you know, I'm asking if they asked about their lifestyle or, you know, anything like that. And so um, I've, I've gotten to say to them like, okay, check out their website and see if they talk about the nervous system. But that's kind of just my like layman's understanding of it, I guess. What, what, what would you say people need to really look for if they're looking for someone that brings in this like holistic uh, or, you know, nervous system kind of whole body approach? Is there a certain practice or kind of doctor that that's specified? Yeah, you're keeping me on track. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> so, so in chiropractic, there, there tends to be two different types of, of chiropractors, right? There's what we call subluxation-based chiropractors who are more towards that original meaning of chiropractic, right? More towards that just kind of holistic function. This is what a chiropractor does is we look for what we call subluxations in the spine, we remove the subluxations with the chiropractic adjustment and what may be will be as a result of that, okay? And then there's chiropractors that are a little bit more kind of medically minded or more physical therapy type oriented and they're looking at, well, you know, your, your, your hip is high over here and it's rotated over here and that's pulling on this muscle and that muscle and that's why you're getting wear and tear there. And so we're going to adjust this bone into that position so that muscle can relax and you know, you're doing it more for looking at the a targeted effect of, of the adjustment. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are the two really clarifying things, I think, right? So when I'm giving an adjustment, I'm trusting that as long as I remove those subluxations, the brain's going to do what the brain's got to do in the order of which the brain decides best mm. how to do it. Okay. And then, then there's people who use, you know, ultrasound and electric therapy, and they're really targeting towards specifically like, well, you have low back pain, I'm going to adjust your pelvis and your lumbars and maybe nothing else. Right. And then there's mixes of those two extremes. Okay. So if you want if you just want somebody to help you target your low back pain and you don't ever want to go again until your low back hurts and you want to look for somebody who talks about on their website, a pain-based approach, right? They talk about, you know, low back pain. They often take insurance and not else, not all of, not all subluxation based chiropractors don't take insurance. Like for instance, I don't because what insurance requires is a conversation about pain. And while I care about your pain, what I really care more about is, is you in your life and what's happening, right? Um, so when you're looking at their website and what, what are they marketing to you? What are, are they telling you that they're gonna help you get rid of your pain? They're gonna teach you exercises. They're gonna do all of these things or are they using the word subluxation? And I think that if there was one marker um, for me, when I start, I look usually where they went to school. So I usually like, you know, Life, Life West, Palmer, um, you know, some of the other schools are a little bit more medically minded. Um, so I, for me, usually I look at a school, but also like I'm looking at the language in the website, you know, what are they saying? Are they talking about subluxations? Are they adjusting kids? Because, right, kids aren't showing up to me with low back pain. Some of them are actually, especially now with the Zoom. So I'm getting more kids in like the tennis range now than I've ever gotten before, which hmm. is just interesting effect of the pandemic, I think. And kids being on Zoom and, you know, just the stress of everything that's going on. So I'm having more like pain-based kids show up um, in my practice. And I think also it's just something for them to do that's a little bit fun and sanctioned at this point, right? Um, but, but just look at when you're looking, I mean, I think that's right. You're hundred percent right. Emily, are they asking about your lifestyle? Are they talking about lifestyle? Are they talking about just health and wellness? You know, who are they marketing towards? What are their affiliations? Um, and I'm always happy to help somebody find a great chiropractor. So anybody can reach out to me, email me, or you guys know how to get in touch with me. I'm happy to help find a great chiropractor anywhere. We're all over. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think one thing that stood out to me, because I had seen chiropractors before for sure, um, and just other other, I hesitate to use the word medical professional, like healer, healing people, alternative practitioners. Um, one thing the people that I'm kind of like surrounding myself with now all have in common is the initial visit was like this sit down conversation, like let's go deep, let's listen to like what's coming up, let's piece together like dots of what has happened over the years. It's not the like, check the box, birth date, you know, blood pressure, you know, all this stuff. I don't even, I have, it's been so long since <laughs> I've been to like a allopathic doctor, I guess, but whatever they just ask to go down the list, it's like you sit down and you have this conversation where you're seen and um, 
yeah, you're like taken in as this whole person and everything that's happened to you in your life um, matters. And so that car accident that you were in five years ago, like um, we want to know just as much about that as like your current pain. And um, that for me has been kind of the mark of people that I feel comfortable with at this point in my life, because I'm coming to understanding that like, I'm not compartmentalized and like so much of the world is trying to just, I mean, just think of all the different, we have the dentists, we have the eye doctors, we have gynecologists, we have all these different people that focus on like just different areas of the body. And for me, I'm kind of for the past couple of years, just been stepping into like, no, like all of me affects all of me. And so, you know, I, I really enjoy the conversations of um, just that initial holistic kind of like care of the whole person. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you treat a symptom in a vacuum? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You came to me and you say, well, I have headaches and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what I do for headaches. But really what's happening is your kids are screaming at home all day, literally, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh my God, you know, so how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Now that doesn't change the fact that you're having a physical manifestation of a headache, but it also, you know, you, I can't be like, well, man, that pill didn't work. Like, right. didn't work out or, or that Atlas adjustment didn't do exactly what I thought it was going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you can, I cannot, like, I can deliver so many chiropractic adjustments. I don't know what that is because I don't know what my expiration date is. Maybe y'all will tell me when you look at my <laughs> first charge. <laughs> so, um, but I can deliver so many chiropractic adjustments, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that number is, but I can turn on a lot of lights. You know mm. what I mean? And so I can be far more impactful as we're talking about what motivates me. And I love giving adjustments. I love doing that work, but how long will I be able to do that? How long will I want to do that? I don't know, but right now, especially right now, you know, we're kind of living in this world where we're all hiding at home, you know, we're afraid of getting sick or we're afraid of getting others sick. And because we're living under this philosophy that, well, there's this big bad virus out there and it's going to get us, you know? And I mean, there's, there really is a virus and it really is pretty bad and it might get us, you know? But the thing of it is, is we're not helpless to that. If we are strong and not to say that if you get it, you weren't strong, but when you look at somebody, you know, we were talking about Didi and his idea that there, there's got to be something else to this whole disease process thing, right? you're looking at catching a disease, you're, you're looking at three basic things. You're looking at the virulence of something, right? So like, if you're looking at a virus or a bacteria, how strong is the darn thing, okay? And there's nothing that we can do about this, this, this virus. It just is what it is. We're waiting for our vaccine and now we have a new strain. So will the vaccine work? Well, maybe it'll work, but it won't be as effective or, you know, whatever. There's nothing we can really do about the strength of this thing, right? And then the other thing is, is the load, okay? So how much of this virus or bacteria or whatever it is, whether we're talking about COVID or not, how much of it do we get exposed to, okay? And so that's what masks are all about. Masks say, well, if I, if I wear my mask, maybe I'll just get exposed to a little bit. Maybe my body can handle that. 
you know, or I'm going to social distance. That's about how much load of a virus you're exposed to, right? Or I'm going to go and I'm going to get a massage, which is really good, by the way, and I highly recommend for everybody. But that is an hour. Like you're spending an hour in a small room. Like my massage person, she's got her windows open and she's ventilating and she's got all sorts of things and God love her. But, you know, what I get to do is, hey, how you doing? You lay face down. I give you an adjustment and really quick you're in and out. So it's a really brief encounter, you know. So that kind of helps with what I'm able to do. But so we've got how strong is this virus? And then what is the load? And our behaviors really affect the load, okay? And then the third thing is, is what is the host? What's going on in the host, all right? So if all other factors are equal, the strength of the individual person is gonna matter. It's gonna matter whether or not they, they are overcome in the worst way. And it's going to matter whether or not they express symptoms at all. So, you know, this is this is kind of where I really have been focusing during this pandemic philosophically is that this is what I can control. I can make sure that I'm hydrated. I can make sure that I'm getting adjusted, you know, which I do weekly as I train with my great friend, Dr. Pam, down the street. You know, I can, I'm taking a certain amount of supplements that I'm enjoying to just kind of help my body fend off viruses. You know, I'm trying to manage my emotional stress, which is challenging. I have two small children in their home. We decided to homeschool this year because we just didn't want the, you're in school, you're out of school. We, we didn't want the in and out, right? We, we needed to know what was going on for our family. Um, the financial stress, right? Some, some people are doing better than ever. Some people are are stressing. I certainly can't see the number of people that I was seeing and have everybody feel safe. Some people don't care. They're happy to come in. Um, but some people, they don't want to see another person when they come in. So we have to be mindful of that. So there's a lot of things going on, but when we're looking at these three factors, what are the things that we can control? And it really does come down to the load and the strength of the host. And what are the things that you're doing to handle that, right? And, and, and conversely, the philosophy is, is, oh my God, here we've got this new virus. How are we gonna tackle this virus? How are we gonna do this virus? And the load, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, and I think I remember, well, so I've been on this kind of more holistically minded train of um, thought for a little while now after being like so defeated by continually seeing like health practitioners that weren't operating from that mindset. Um, and so I remember when the lockdown first started last March, I was, I was ready. I was like, all right, we always talk about on the podcast, like stepping into your power. Like how do you like actualize all of the innate like wisdom and intuition that you have within yourself? And so I had been working so, um, intentionally on like harvesting that energy. Right. So then the lockdown happened and everyone was like scared and operating from this fear-based mindset. And I was like, all right, no, like, I'm going to get some biodiverse vegetables. I'm going to supplement. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I remember sharing that on social media and people being like, wow, thank you. This is so refreshing to see that like there's something that we can do about this. You know, we're not just, we don't just have to sit around being scared. Um, and so I think how you're describing, um, you know, your model and your practice um, is very in line with that of, you know, it's not, it's not like you telling people how to live their lives or how they're going to heal or how they're going to be the, their best selves. Like ultimately, like you are just a place for people to stop through and you can show them things that maybe they don't see inside their own body or don't have that own training. But, um, you know, it's an opportunity 
for people to become more aware of and awakened to what their body is doing and what it needs um, and working together. Um, but ultimately people are making those decisions for themselves. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when you look at people, like if you look within your personal relationships, in the beginning, the people who are very dependent on the medical system, right? They feel that the, the medical system allows them to feel very, very safe, which is which is a good thing. It's a really good thing to feel safe. And, and when we talk about the medical system, everybody knows a doctor or a nurse that they love. And I'm not talking about the people within the system at all. I'm talking about the philosophy with which the, the system is built upon, because these are really good, brave people, especially right now. You know, I mean, they're really putting themselves at risk or they're keeping themselves away from their families to keep their families safe while they're at risk. So um, this isn't a criticism to the people in the system. Um, but when you look at the people who are feeling safe from the medical system, when, when we suddenly have this virus and the medical system's like, sorry, we don't really have anything for you. Mm. It was really hard for them, right? Like right away, those are the people that were really distressed and stressed right away. The people who were a little bit more kind of like, all right, well, I've, you know, I've kind of been functioning outside of the safety net of the medical system for a long time. I don't want disaster care. I want vitality, you know? Um, those people at least initially fared a little better. I think the chronicity of everything that's going on is, I, I think, you know, everybody's waiting for 2020 to, to, to go away. And now we're 2021, new year, new you, not really. <laughs> and I think, I think the more silver linings you had during this pandemic, the, the more traumatizing perhaps it, this next year is actually going to be because the more blessings that you've been able to focus on, the more you've really thought that you're okay when you're not real, you know? Mm. So it's, it's just really interesting to see the different places where people are at and their different comfort levels. It's such an such a interesting time to be alive. It's fascinating. And when you were speaking earlier, you said something like trusting that what will be will be from like the supplication, if I'm saying that right, adjustment. And I feel like that's also kind of the, one of the things I'm observing right now is this, people that are holding on so tightly to like, um, you know, can't, can't get sick, can't uh, do X, Y, Z, can't die, can't contract anything, you know? And then people that are more living from a place of like life, it, like you were saying earlier too, like life is really hard and filled with challenge and filled with toxins and filled with stress. And so what can, we do to support the body having an innate trust in the body versus an innate distrust of like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like my body's out of my control. And like, this is just going to happen because that's kind of how, you know, the societal message that, or the cultural message that um, we get of like, yeah, there's no way you could know what's going on in your body. There's no way that you'll know when you're getting sick because this is just, you know, it's it's above your your wheelhouse but um you know Keely and I both kind of felt prepared I think because me not as much in the health realm as Keely with like popping off with all the the recipes and the supplements and everything but I felt more like you know I trust my body and like I trust life enough or I guess I trust that I have resources to deal with what 
will come at me because if it's not a virus, it will be a death. If it's not a death, it will be a job loss. If it's not job loss, like just always in life, there's always going to be something tragic, like heading at you. And so what do you have at your realm? And honestly, the hardest part for me was those couple weeks. I don't even know how long it was that like, I couldn't access chiropractic or I couldn't, you know, go to acupuncture or get a massage because it was like, okay, well now my resources for dealing with trauma that I've taken so much effort to like uncover and bring to the surface. Now those are gone and people are praising that those are gone. And I'm like, but wait, that's what's keeping me healthy. (laughs) So it's been so fascinating. And I love that you brought this up. Um, Yeah, we're we're definitely going to talk more about this um, throughout all the episodes because it is, it's not going away. 2020, Mm -hmm. you know, when this virus is over, there will be more. Like, of course, there will always be more. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, I've heard with the with global warming and the, the ice melting, and gosh, who knows what's all up in there? Who knows what's in our, what's in our future? Not to sound doomy and gloomy, because I'm I not, mean, but yeah. you talk about your, your, your behaviors and the things that you're doing, those things solidify your belief system. You know, you guys seen the social dilemma about Facebook. Mm-hmm. so it's if you if you believe a certain way they're feeding you certain information to kind of sustain that belief what's well, the same thing if you believe that caring for your body is good that's good but you also have to do it right you have to show up for your adjustments you have to show up for your massage you have to show up for your acupuncture you have to do your visceral manipulation or your you know whatever it is that you're doing um, your, your spin classes or your yoga classes, but it, the, it, the practice of doing that is also peaceful, right? Mm. The practice itself solidifies the belief. Mm. And you, you had mentioned, Emily, that you haven't been sick, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I take care of a lot of kids is because it, it's almost anecdotal, although there's a lot in chiropractic, there's a lot of research, but it's all case studies, right? And so because the drug companies can take all of these people and they can give them all one drug and they can do these big studies and they can say, well, look, you know, hey, it's hard for you as a chiropractor to say, well, I've had a person who has the exact same subluxations of the exact same levels in the exact same directions for the exact same direct, uh, duration of time. And they've had all of the same life situations, right? So there's a lot of chiropractic research, but it's all case studies. You know what I mean? Because it's harder to get that larger model of care. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Yeah, the, about the, showing up for yourself. The beliefs um, that your your the actions practice make. solidifying the belief. Yeah. Took crazy. us all a second there. It's okay. <laughs> Um, so hopefully by now we have convinced our listeners that if they haven't already, they need to find a chiropractor they can trust. But, um, in terms of like practical, like what can people expect when they, um, come for an initial visit, um, at Thrive? So at Thrive or anywhere, when you go to a chiropractor, you should you should receive a thorough history, okay? So one of the things that makes chiropractic safe is that initial conversation. So um, it, you, you should definitely prepare yourself to answer any questions about any physical traumas that you've experienced specifically that could affect your, your spine um, in any kind of way, okay? Um, so generally, 
when you come into a chiropractor's office after you do that initial consultation, they'll give you some sort of exam, right? And so some chiropractors do more, more orthopedic type exams. In my office, we do um, more neurology-based exams. Um, we kind of like lifestyle measurement type things. Um, and then you, you get a chiropractic adjustment. I think the biggest thing that surprises people initially about chiropractic is the idea that they're, they have this pain point that they want to handle and that they're going to go and they're going to get adjusted and like they're going to see if it works for one time. Um, and so that, that's, not, that's not a reasonable expectation, right? So sometimes it, it takes time for symptoms to come on. It's going to take time for symptoms to come out. But I would say that if you're looking for a good practitioner, an important thing would be just that you, you when you look at their website, make sure that just your intuition tells you that that feels like a good place for you. You should look for a place that's convenient you know, because if you're not feeling well and you need to get an extra adjustment, we're not talking about outside of your wellness routine, but you want it to be convenient, you know? You don't want to have to drive an hour. And Keely, we talked about that on like your first couple of visits. I really want to yeah. take care of you, but the best thing that I can do to take care of you is help you find somebody closer to your home, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so look for somebody who's convenient. Look for somebody who uses the word subluxation. Um, what can you expect? You should expect to be treated with care and kindness and concern. You should expect that. And if you're not, then you're not in the right office. Um, you should expect that when someone touches your body, that they inform you of what they're going to do, that they say, this is what I'm going to do. They shouldn't, you know, chiropractic is a very touchy-feely profession, duh, but it's also touchy-feely and, and personal places sometimes um and personal is different for everyone you know so um you should expect that if you have a particular need like laying face down makes me feel too vulnerable that you should be able to say that to your person and that shouldn't put them out you should expect your chiropractor i think to be able to adapt to what your needs are um either by technique or by tone or i think you should have high expectations I guess is what yes. I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, it's your body. <laughs> I love that. Body. And, and not just with your chiropractors, but with all of your practitioners, you should expect somebody um, to be willing to answer questions. And if they don't know the answer to a question, to be okay with the fact that they don't know the answer and just say, I don't know. You know, we're all just humans doing the best we can. We can't know everything all the time. So I think you should be expecting to be treated like a human being who's complex, who has a long life history and a really bright future. Wow, there it is. Well, thank you for, thank you for doing that um, in your practice. Thank you. I sure. try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, I may have mentioned this when we talked about you previously on the pod, but I remember um, in my first visit, you asked me what my birth was like. And I was like, Oh, I was so not expecting that question to be asked, but also thank you for asking because <laughs> it's obviously an integral part of who I am and, you know, where I've been and all these things. So I, that just blew me away. And I've told so many people that story because I'm like, this is what you should be demanding from your health <laughs> practitioners. Yes. <laughs> well, well it's funny yeah. because we, we turn birth into something that is just about the woman. And, and of course it should be. 
you know, should be about what the woman is experiencing. But what we don't talk about because the babies can't say anything is, well, also what's going on with the baby, you know? And that's, it was your birth. It was your mother's birth and it was your birth. So it's, it is a pretty important part of your history. So if you're able to know, I guess if anybody gets anything out of this, that would be one. Call your mom or your dad. And ask mm-hmm. what her story was like. If you haven't done that from listening to season one of our podcast, I'm I'm very disappointed. <laughs> nice. Ask about your birth story, your mom's birth right. story, all, all of, it. of it. Yeah. Well, we we talk a lot about intuition on this podcast. We bring everything back to really trusting, um, trusting yourself and trusting that you can make decisions and you can listen to yourself. Um, and so we like to ask our guests how, um, they feel connected with their intuition or how they get in touch with their intuition, or even just what that question brought up for you or what that means to you in general. Well, you know, we talked about growing up with this sense of otherness and growing up with a sense of there was a clear wrongness of something about me. And so you, you, you have to, I think part of intuition is learning to trust your own voice. It says, despite what is going on in the world or in your family or in your community, what does the voice inside of you say? Okay. And listening to what right and wrong is inside of you. But it's not always necessarily about right and wrong, right? Sometimes it's about safety or joy. So I think we all have this inherent voice inside of us. And we need to listen to that a little bit more. So that brings brings in my childhood a lot when we talk about intuition. I think that for me... When I'm alone and it's quiet and I'm thinking, this is when I'm closest to my sense of intuition, you know. I meditate 20 minutes every day. Sometimes really powerful things come to me and sometimes I'm just thinking, gosh, that TV is loud down there. (laughs) So sometimes I think you can tap into that intuition intentionally and sometimes it's a little harder. And I... I also find when I'm adjusting people, even though um, my eyes are open and there's a lot going on, there's something about that connection with another human being and the trust that someone places in you that really speaks to your inner goodness and calls it to come forward and do a service for someone else. And, And there's nothing that I can, I don't really have the words for what it feels like to, you know, when someone's laying on my table and you can, you can kind of put your hand behind their head and then on their sacrum and you can just kind of feel as the body breathes and you just kind of tune into the person's physiology for a second and connect with them. It's just this really beautiful space where we're all kind of one, you know. And sometimes you'll even see me close my eyes if I'm really trying to feel something. So the more we can get rid of the external noise, 
noise, right? Whether it's other people's opinions about who we are and how we are and what we do, or if it is the TV or too many lights or whatever the, whatever the noise is, the more we can come into that quiet place and look for our inner goodness, I think that would be for me what that means. Beautiful. Yeah. Guys are sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, if anyone does want to check out um, an example of a great website, um, Thrive Chiropractic's website is thrivechiro.org. Um, if you're in the Baltimore area, they're located um, in Baltimore. And anything else you want to say, Dr. D, um, in terms of like, Anything you want to plug? Anything I want to plug? Yeah. I mean, I would just love to plug just chiropractic in general, you know? Here's the thing. If you go to somebody and you like them and you feel like you're in safe hands, it doesn't matter what they practice or how they practice it. You know, there's something about the chiropractic adjustment that isn't replaced with any other modality and I think that's fair to say about other modalities as well so um chiropractic is way bigger than Dr. D at Thrive Chiropractic if you can't come see me you can see anybody just give it a try give it a try mm. wow thank you so much Dr. D you're welcome <laughs>